Hello and welcome to the Bitcoin and Global Finance Podcast with me, Jason Dean. Here we talk about all things Bitcoin and all things financial and try and make sense of them. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent the last few years writing and speaking about these subjects in various formats, publishing a couple of books along the way, and I'm currently enjoying top writer status on Medium in Bitcoin, finance and investing. So if you're on Medium and you'd like to know more on these subjects, look me up using at Jason A. Dean, which is also my Twitter handle. Don't forget that E in the end or you won't find me. It's great to have you here with me today as we dive into our chosen subject for this podcast. The question I'm asking is whether Bitcoin just proved itself as a perfect store of value. Is it possible that coronavirus may have finally and inadvertently settled that argument? But let's have a look at what the numbers and the actions of the markets tell us. I should probably go back and uh, give some context first, though, because I first started poking Bitcoin with a stick, really, back in late 2013, early 2014, after just discovering it by chance, really, in a mainstream newspaper article. It wasn't even a specialist a financial piece. I didn't really understand what it was about, but I did know that I was immediately fascinated by it. And I kept reading and learning about it. And eventually, I bought some. Well, I bought some once I figured out how to navigate the wild west of charlatans ready to steal my money, that is, because at the time, buying Bitcoin was a pretty risky proposition. And if you trusted the wrong person or company, it always result in a complete loss. Of course, this is no longer the case. Uh, it still can be a little dangerous out there, but most of the time it's pretty easy to spot uh, what is legitimate and what isn't. But it wasn't until 2017 I started to get really serious about this thing. I eventually sold my existing business so I could focus on it full time. But here's the point. During all of this time, and almost certainly before I even got involved, the argument over whether Bitcoin was actually a real and genuine store of value raged backwards and forwards between both supporters and detractors, sometimes even within their own camps. But to date, that's over 11 years of heated discussion at times. But of course, my personal view, and it's been very well documented, has always been that Bitcoin most definitely is an excellent store of value. But to be fair, this has only been based on my interpretation of economic theory, a selection of sporadic examples that are fairly easily and often quoted, and to be honest, a little sprinkle of gut fill. But that's all changed now with the entrance of the black swan event known as COVID-19, more colloquially known, of course, as the coronavirus. At the time of recording this, this is still a very live event, and it's currently sweeping across the world at quite an alarming rate, causing widespread panic, panic buying, of course, and pretty indiscriminate deaths. Of course, it's not the first time the world has, has witnessed such an event. We've recently had uh, MERS and SARS and going back even further, things like the Spanish flu. But these days, with uh, such an increase in international travel and technology linking our financial systems together even more, it's inevitable that each time there is some kind of epidemic or pandemic outbreak, it will cause more damage than the last one. Actually, at the moment, in human terms, we don't even know what the effect is going to be. But we do know that in economic terms, we have a pretty good idea of where we're going. 
and frankly, it isn't looking too good. We know that the markets have been enjoying years of high growth, and they probably were due a significant correction anyway. But you may remember that one major company announced that they would miss their targets because of supply chain issues linked to the virus. And that was it. That signaled the end of the halcyon days almost immediately, and the sell-off began. And that's when the rule book really went out the window, because the dumping of equities and commodities that followed was as brutal as it was relentless. And Bitcoin, of course, was caught in the rush to go full risk off and convert everything back to fiat cash. Interestingly, gold did react positively at first as money tried to find any safe port in the storm. And this is exactly as tradition dictates. But then something really unexpected happened. Gold also began to fall. It reached a peak of just under $1,700 in early March, but it's now, at the time of recording, below $1,500, taking it back to the levels last seen in mid-December 2019, which means this is levels last seen before this crisis began. But silver fared even worse dropping back to levels not seen since 2009, which is a crushing irony, really, when you consider that was the very year Bitcoin itself began its life. Of course, if you work the numbers out, that means if you put $100 into silver at that time, you'd still have $100 today. Or actually, $85.96 in real times, adjusting for the US inflation over that period. But if you put $100 into Bitcoin, you'd now have an incredible $9 million. Yep, that is how the numbers work out. Of course, this is technically an indicator of return on investment rather than a store of value. But I think it's pretty clear that we're arguing semantics here. Call it whatever you like. As far as I'm concerned, I would rather have had my money in Bitcoin than silver any day. Meanwhile, oil had already had a terrible decade delivered a negative return between 2010 and 2020 but yesterday it took another hit and found a new double decade low. Of course this is partly due to the global production crash coming into effect now but also because of Russia and Saudi Arabia's spat over production levels with the former determined to stop the US shale industry benefiting from higher prices. Looking at the bigger picture, we can see that markets basically wiped out four years of gains within just a few days. Most indices recorded losses on a scale not seen since 1987 and some since 1929. Everyone is now affected, whether directly in the markets or not, and this was brought home to me recently by the sudden arrival of an email from my pension company. Now here's the thing, I've had a pension scheme with this provider in one form or another for over 20 years and this was actually the first time I'd ever received an unsolicited email from them. Apparently it's triggered because of a regulation by the Financial Conduct Authority, which is a UK body that deals with this sort of thing, as it went on to explain. I'll read it to you. Dear Jason, the Financial Conduct Authority's regulations require us to inform you if the value of your portfolio falls by 10% or more from your most recent quarterly valuation or the last notification we sent you. As such, I am writing to let you know that at close of business on the 16th of March 2020, your portfolio EPIM Brunel Global Equity was 14.28% lower than the closing value of your most recent quarterly valuation 
or the last notification we sent you. Basically, in other words, 14.28% of my net worth have been wiped out in that short period of time. Having an understanding of what's going on in the world, of course, this didn't surprise me at all, but it's still hard to accept that you've taken a loss that big without a mistake on your own part. The bottom line is, at this moment in time, there are no safe havens. There's not commodities, equities, bonds, bitcoins, or even precious metals. Basically, there is only one place everyone wants to be, and that is cold, hard cash. The thing is, moving to fear is not without its problems. It is basically a very poor safe haven. Leaving anything in pure cash terms will lose value over time with a certainty that is absolute due to inflation. So the fact that so many people are choosing to do it confirms the level of fear that currently exists out there. It's not a great place to be, but somehow it's familiar. It feels safe. It's the least bad option. But at the same time, almost all governments around the world have embarked on an unprecedented level of quantitative easing to try and limit the damage caused by the spread of the coronavirus. And of course, when you print more money, especially to the level they're doing it, the laws of economics mean that its value will drop through inflation. Of course, we all know this. The policy makers know it. The guys making it happen know it. But right now, this is about doing whatever is possible to support the system. The thinking is, we'll get through it, and we'll deal with the fallout later. Trouble is, that fallout is going to be enormous. So where does all this leave Bitcoin? Well, since Bitcoin's price dropped from just over $10,000 about four weeks ago to just under $5,000 at the low point a few days ago, the question as it could ever be a real store of value has, of course, come up regularly. For me, there's three main points I'd make here. First of all, we've got to remember that Bitcoin is very young compared to other assets. With somewhere between only 20 and 30 million users, it's simply not widely adopted enough yet to be properly considered a store of value at this time. And this is why no one, including myself, was surprised that it was bundled into the sell-off with all the other assets. It's simply considered too risky for most people at this time. Of course, it's possible that had this happened in a few years in the future when Bitcoin had a much higher penetration globally, it might have been a different story. Even gold, an asset that's got hundreds of years of a head start over Bitcoin, couldn't hold its ground in such a crisis. But it's tempting to think that something that would be much easier for the average person to turn to may be more appealing. After all, the average person doesn't buy gold. Institutions do. The second point is that the argument that Bitcoin has no intrinsic value must now be settled once and for all. You see, Bitcoin did not even set a new 12-month low during the height of the sell-off, which proves that whatever you think of the asset, there must be at least some confirmed perceived value at the very least. And perceived value, as we know from our own fiat currencies, which are based on it, is enough to support an entire system. To put it another way, an asset that was truly considered to have no value would have fallen to zero the second there was the slightest hint of trouble on the horizon. Bitcoin didn't. Finally, the third point is that the analysis of the blockchain reveals some fascinating data. The vast majority of the coins changing hands were last moved less than 12 months ago. This means that most people who sold them almost certainly did so at a loss, and had only recently joined the space in relative terms. 
It's a classic knee-jerk panic reaction by green investors. Coins older than 12 months were barely affected in the sell-off. And this means basically those who had had a long-term view remained as committed to the concept of Bitcoin as they were before. These people clearly think that Bitcoin is a superior store of value compared to fiat, and even more so at the moment. For them, it's another bump in the long road to wider adoption and value. They just wouldn't dream of offloading their Bitcoin for something as worthless and as common as fiat, especially now that we're printing so much more of it. So what does happen next? Well, we are in completely uncharted territory now in financial terms. There are no precedents, and we're making up the rules as we go along, as fast as we're then breaking them. The only certainties we have are that governments have committed to print as much money as they need to protect their own economies. And there will be, as a result, a much higher sustained rate of inflation in due course, and it could take decades to recover. In fact, my view is, things will probably never be the same. Of course, the interesting part of this is that it has created the ideal theoretical conditions for Bitcoin to thrive. It hasn't needed a 1.5 trillion bailout to try and support it. And of course, the US have just announced they've increased that. It hasn't activated any circuit breakers to stop its 24-hour trading because it doesn't have any. And it's also the only currency on Earth that hasn't increased its supply. And yet, even without all these things afforded to its financial counterparts, Bitcoin's price has been recovering over the last 48-72 hours, while gold has not. Even the markets themselves have been entirely unimpressed thus far with the stimulus packages offered. Meanwhile, silently, without fanfare, Bitcoin remains steadfast. It stands entirely unaffected in practical and financial terms. Accessible still to every person on the planet with a smart device and an internet connection. It remains easier to buy or liquidate than any other asset available to the everyday man. Of course, we are weeks or possibly months away from the end of the crisis that we now find ourselves in. The levels of quantitative easing are likely to be far higher by the time we finish, and we don't even know what we don't know yet. It could be better, or it could be far worse than we think. For many of us, even considering financial matters such as these may be far from the thing that's most on our minds right now. But at the same time, if you had to go to the Supreme Court today to argue the case as to whether Bitcoin is actually a store of value or not, with all the new evidence that has come to light, which side would you feel most comfortable arguing, for or against? Put it this way, if I was arguing against, I'd want a hell of a lawyer. Thanks for listening today. If you've got any comments on this podcast, please message me on Twitter at Jason A. Dean. Or if you'd like to know more on the subject of Bitcoin and finance in general, then join me on medium.com forward slash at Jason A. Dean. Don't forget that E at the end when you're typing that in or you won't find me. Otherwise, I'll see you next time on the Bitcoin and Global Finance Podcast.